Lord, we are so thankful on this uh, first Sunday of a new year that uh, we can enter 2022 with confidence. Confidence in who you are, confidence in the promises of God. Lord, we're thankful that we can trust an unknown future to a known God, that there will be no surprises in 2022. You already know the end from the beginning. You're the Alpha and the Omega. And so thank you that we can trust you. Lord, we praise you this morning for answered prayer. We, we give you praise for those 17 missionaries that uh, were captive in Haiti, and now um, all of them were home for Christmas. Lord, we thank you for the answer to prayer for that. Lord, we pray for uh, some in our congregation this morning that are undergoing some physical challenges. Lord, we won't go through the long list. Lord, some that are in quarantine in this um, age in which we live, Lord, uh, bless them, protect them. And Lord, we just uh, pray now that as we uh, open up our hearts and minds to your word this morning, that you will speak to us, that we will be encouraged, and that we will uh, then be encouragers of others today. So thank you for all that you'll do in these next few minutes, and we will give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. may be seated. All right, well, here we are, 2022, the first Sunday. Uh, I'm always uh, impressed and thinking about the incredible passage of time. I don't know about you, but uh, I think this is really true. The older you get, the quicker time goes by. And, and I call it the treadmill of life, and it just seems like uh, as we get older, uh, time seems to go quicker, life gets busier, and all of a sudden, uh, just the incredible passage of time, and there are times where I wish we had a little bit of a pause button. Let's just hit pause and slow things down. But life doesn't work that way, uh, the march of time. And so here we are, New Year, 2022. We're going to think about the question, what's new? Certainly a new year. New year signifies a fresh start. Um, I don't know how many of you commiserated at the Michigan football fans on New Year's Eve. Our, our oldest two grandsons, especially our oldest nine-year-old grandson, has turned into a huge Michigan football fan. He was looking forward to the game and we watched it together and with great optimism, when Michigan was down by 24 points, he's looking at me and says, Papa, I think we can still win. And, uh, and so we suffered through that disappointment. But yesterday, I told him, guess what, Shane? Michigan is undefeated this year. <laughs> it's a fresh start. Fresh start for a new year. And so what's new? Uh, it, it, a new year. Uh, we might answer the question, what's new, and kind of rehearse maybe some Christmas gifts that we got. I'm wearing my new Christmas sweater. It's the one thing I asked for. And uh, so we get new new gifts. Uh, sometimes when we ask the question, what's new to somebody, we just kind of want to get an update on life. What's new in your life? What's new with your family? But this morning, we want to ask and answer the question, what's new from a biblical perspective? The Bible talks a lot about things that are new. Let me just give you a quick overview of, of that phrase new in, in the Bible. Of course, we know that there's, there's two parts to the Bible. There's the Old Testament and there's the New Testament. Jeremiah 31 talks about a new covenant. And Jesus 
talks about that in 1 Corinthians 11 when he talks about the, the communion table and the Lord's table. He says, this, this blood is the new covenant. And so we, we read about the new covenant. Ezekiel talks about a new heart. Paul in Ephesians 4 says, put on the new man. 2 Peter 3 Peter talks about a new heaven and a new earth. John talks about a new Jerusalem. Revelation 21.5, he quotes Jesus and he says, I'm making all things new. And so we're going to ask and answer the question, what's new? And I want to do it through the lens of the, the verse that we read this morning, 2 Corinthians 5.17. I still have a hard time reading that in the NIV version. I, I memorized it as a young boy from uh, uh, the King James Version and and it says, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And so we want to ask and answer the question, when a person is in Christ, what's new? What are the all things new that Paul's referring to in 2 Corinthians 5.17? And so we're going to look at six key truths that are new in our lives when we put our faith in Jesus and we are in Christ. And so those of you that have been here a while know that I like alliteration, so uh, these are all going to start with the letter F, so um, this would be, uh, this message is brought to you by the letter F, sounds like Sesame Street, doesn't it? But uh, hopefully it'll be a little more substantial than that. All right, let's think about it. What's new when we're in Christ? And here's the first F, truth number one, we are forgiven, we are forgiven, we need to be continually reminded of the forgiveness that we experience in Christ. I don't know about you, but I don't like I don't like debt. Uh, if I have financial debt, I like to I like to pay that off and get rid of that as soon as possible because I don't like I don't like to owe money. What we need to realize this morning is that all of us had an incredible debt that we owed to God that we could never repay. And the message of Christmas is that God sent his son Jesus to pay that debt. And so we need to remember uh, the forgiveness of our sin debt. And this morning, what we need to hear from God are the words, you are forgiven. You are forgiven if you are in Christ. And sometimes we just need to hear that. I remember years ago when our boys were young, and uh, I don't remember uh, which of our three boys, but uh, I remember closing a door on the hand of one of our boys when they were a toddler. And I shut the door and his hand was in the hinge and I felt horrible and he's, you know, crying. And finally we got him consoled and, and uh, I was apologizing to him and uh, he, he goes, you know, that that's okay. And I'm I, like, no, I need to hear the words from you. I need you to say, I forgive you. <laughs> I needed to hear that. And, and here's what we're, we want to grasp this morning is that, that God says to us, if we put our faith and trust in him, we are forgiven. Here's Micah 7, 18 and 19. The prophet writes, who is a God like you who pardons and forgives our transgressions of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but you delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. And so that's symbolic, but, but the prophet Micah is saying that, that, that God is a, a pardoning God. God is a forgiving God. 
That's, that's different from the, the many gods that were around in, in Micah's day and the false gods that demanded something from people. And God, Micah says, is a God who is forgiving. He will have compassion. He will tread our sins underfoot. He will hurl our iniquities into the depths of the sea. I did a little research. The average depth of the oceans um, in the world today is 2.3 miles. That's the depths of the ocean. The deepest part of the ocean is the southern end of the Mariana Trench in southwest of Guam in the Pacific Ocean. It's almost seven miles deep. And so this is symbolic. Micah says God uh, buries our sins in the depths of the ocean. Here's how the psalmist puts it in Psalm 103. Verses 11 and 12, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. God has forgiven us of our sins. And when we are in Christ, our legal standing before him, the biblical word is justification. Legally before God, he looks at us just as if we've never sinned because the blood of Christ cleanses us and covers us of all of our sin. Paul writes in Ephesians 1.7, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Uh, this is over and over throughout Scripture. Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, For He's rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so when we're in Christ, the first thing that we need to realize is our sins have been forgiven. They've been put into the depths of the sea, removed as far as the east is from the west. And so when I was a young boy growing up in church, we used to sing a little chorus it, uh, it says, these are the words, gone, 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 gone. Yes, my sins are gone. Now my soul is free and in my heart's a song. Buried in the deepest sea. Yes, that's good enough for me. I shall live eternally. Praise God, my sins are gone. Well, when we're in Christ, what's new? Our sins are forgiven. And we need to continually remember that and be grateful for uh, the forgiveness that's found through the blood of Christ. Well, there's a second thing that's new when we're in Christ. Not only are we forgiven, but the Bible tells us that we have God as our Father. We have a new identity in Christ. John chapter 1, uh, verse 12, the Apostle John begins um, his book with uh, these words in John 1, 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become or called, what? The children of God. So in one sense, every person is generically a child of God, but in a second sense, uh, this special relationship with God as our Father comes from those of us that know him personally. And what's new when we come in Christ is we have a new identity and we have God as our Father. Elsewhere in the Gospels, uh, the disciples uh, questioned to Jesus. Uh, they asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. 
And uh, Jesus then gives them the, the Lord's Prayer or the disciples' prayer. And what's the first line that he tells his disciples? This is how you are to pray, Our Father who art in heaven. You've got a new relationship. God is your Father. The late Dr. Haddon Robinson from Dallas Theological Seminary writes in the Old Testament, the Israelites did not individually address God as Father. As far as we know, Abraham, Moses, David never addressed God that way. Yet in the New Testament, God is called Father 275 times. And that is how we are instructed to speak to Him. And so what's new when we're in Christ? Uh, Not only are our sins forgiven, but God is our Father. What does that mean? Well, that has a great significance in our life. Number one, we have access to Him in prayer, don't we? I remember when Jesus was on the cross and He gives that uh, victory cry, to Telestai, it is finished. And when Jesus dies, something significant happened in the temple. It says that the, the huge veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies was torn in two from top to bottom. And it signified that now we have access directly to God. And so the book of Hebrews encourages us to, to come boldly into the throne of grace and to bring our requests before God. Romans chapter 8 says we can call him Abba, Daddy. It's this personal relationship. God is our Father. And that means that we have uh, a resource and we have assistance and we have help in the time of need. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in the time of trouble. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. We have 24 hours, 7 day a week, 365 days a year, access directly to God. We have access to Him. We have help in the time of need. Here's how how Jesus put it in the Sermon on the Mount. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, would give him a snake? What what father would do a cruel trick like that? He says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? And so um, what's new when we're in Christ, our sins are forgiven, but we have this new relationship with God our Father. We have direct access to Him. There's been times when, um, and this happened just a few weeks ago, somebody stopped by the the church from out of town and and, uh, they just had a few minutes, about 15 minutes to catch up. And so we were in the middle of kind of asking each other what's new in their life. And uh, my, my phone rang, and I looked down at who it was, and I, I, I said to my friend, I said, there's only one phone call I'll, I'll take to interrupt our shortened time here, and that's if it's from one of my sons. <laughs> and sure enough, it was from one of my sons. And I said, well, excuse me, I need to take this phone call. Uh, anybody else, I would have like, let's wait later, but uh, it's this direct access that, that we have when God is our Father. Well, there's a third thing that's new when we're in Christ. What becomes new when we're in Christ? Well, we're forgiven. God is our Father, but thirdly, we have a new family. We have a new family. That's Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verse, verse 5, uh, that 
the Apostle Paul writes to the, the church at Ephesus and the Ephesian believers. And he writes in Ephesians 1.5, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. And so elsewhere in the, the New Testament, in the book of Galatians, it says we're, we're all what? What sons and daughters. Uh, we, we become part of God's forever family. And we become part of a new family, a, a local church family, a universal family that's uh, the universal church where we have a connection with believers from all over the world. It's a new family. And it's an instant bond. With that new family comes new responsibilities. The Apostle Peter, in writing to uh, persecuted believers in 1 Peter chapter 1, talks about some of our new responsibilities. He says, now that you've been purified by obeying the truth, so that you'll have sincere love for one another, love one another deeply from the heart. And so while we're in a new family and God has placed us in a, in a new family, there's also some responsibilities that we have. And it, we can trace this through the New Testament, those 12 one another phrases. We're to pray for one another. We're to encourage one another. We're to bear one another's burdens. We're to love one another. And so uh, what's new when we're in Christ? We have a new family. And when I occasionally send out a church-wide letter, I always address it to Dear Community Bible Church Family because that's um, the description that God gives us when we're part of the body of Christ. Well, what's new when we're in Christ? We have, we're forgiven. Our sins are removed from us as far as the east is from the west. We have a new father. We've got this 24-7 access. We have a new family, the body of Christ. We have a new freedom. We have a new freedom. John chapter 8, verse 32, Jesus says, And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. There's a great distinction between religion and Christianity. Uh, religious systems around the world is all about uh, man reaching up to God and trying to please him. Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a relationship we have with God the Father through Jesus Christ. Christianity is not about doing and trying to earn and please God's favor. Christianity is about what's already been done. As you already mentioned, uh, Jesus' words, to tell us die, it is finished. Jesus paid it all. And so as we think about uh, the New Testament, the, the background to the, the book of Galatians is that these uh, Jewish believers in the, the first century uh, some of them were wanting to um, go back to the, the old way of doing things, going back to, to Judaism and, and the, the requirements of the law and the sacrificial system and circumcision and all this. And, and so the Apostle Paul writes to the Galatians and, and uh, says, it is, uh, Galatians 5.1, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm and do not your, let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Don't go back to the old system. Christ has paid it all and we are free. Romans 8.1, therefore now there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ. And Christ paid it all and we're free. James 1 talks about the Bible as the perfect law of liberty. 
So when you, when you follow God's principles, when you follow God's laws, what do we find? We find freedom. And when we do what we want to do and think that freedom is doing whatever we want to do, whenever we want to do it and fulfilling every desire, that leads to bondage. But God says, when you follow my truth, my laws, you will find the perfect law of liberty and you'll be free. Free to live as God wants you to. Free to experience the joy and freedom in Christ. And so many Christians today are sometimes bound by legalism and rules and regulations. And the Bible says we've been set free. Jesus has paid it all. We have a new freedom. Well, there's a couple more to go here. What becomes new when we're in Christ? We have a forgiveness of sin. We have God as our Father. We have a new family. We have a new freedom. Number five, we have a new focus. We have a new focus. Our BC life, for people that um, before Christ, their lives are often self-centered. They're trying to find significance and fulfillment in the things of the world and in simply pleasing themselves. And what we find that when we become a follower of Jesus, we have a whole new focus in life that our life is not no longer self-centered, but our life now should be what? God-focused and God-centered. And the Apostle Paul writes, we make it our goal, what? To, to please God. That's our new focus. That's our new aim. And so Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6 in that familiar passage admonishes us with these, uh, these words. Matthew 6, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupts, where thieves break in and steal. Here, here's here's the, the, the key truth. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It was Randy Alcorn that 20 years ago wrote a little booklet entitled The Treasure Principle. And this is what he has to say about Matthew 6 and the treasure principle. He says, you can't take it with you. You can't take things with you, but you can send it on ahead. Anything we try to hang on to here will be lost, but anything we put into God's hands will be ours for eternity. If we give instead of keep, if we invest in the eternal instead of the temporal, we store up treasures in heaven that will never stop paying dividends. Whatever treasures we store on earth will be left behind when we leave. Whatever treasures we store in heaven will be waiting for us when we arrive. And so the admonition is to invest what? Our time, our talent, and our treasure in things that are going to have eternal value. And Paul writes about it, the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 4. This is therefore don't lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away. That's a great thought for New Year's, isn't it? He's saying our, we're, we're in decline. Our, our, our bodies are, are declining, but inwardly we're to, what, to be renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that 
far outweighs them all. Paul's saying you need to have an eternal perspective. And here's the focus. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary. And what is unseen is eternal. And so Paul's, the Apostle Paul is encouraging us to have what an eternal perspective and to have a new focus to realize um, the value of the things of eternity and to spend and evaluate our time, talent, and treasure in investing in things that will make a difference uh, for all of eternity. Well, there's one more that we want to, as we begin to wrap this up, uh, what's new when we're in Christ? Well, we're forgiven. God is our Father. We've got this new identity, new relationship. We have a new family. We have new freedom. We have a new focus. It's no longer living for self, but it's living to please Him. And here it is. We have a new future. We have a new future. Jesus, in speaking to His disciples in the upper room, just days before the cross, and their their hearts were unsettled because uh, Jesus is just giving them some dramatic news. Uh, number one, one of you is going to betray me. Uh, number two, I'm I'm leaving after after three years of this intimate relationship, and uh, uh, where I'm going, you can't come with me. And so the the disciples are are reeling from this news, and so Jesus is trying to comfort them. And in that familiar passage in John 14, a great passage for 2022, he comforts them by talking about a person. He comforts them by talking about a place. And he comforts them by talking about a promise. John 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. So Jesus is offering himself as the, what, the, the Prince of Peace. The one who can, who can trouble or calm rather our troubled hearts. But then he focuses their attention on a place. In my father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. Would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? So he begins to take their focus off of this world and he says, Hey, uh, I'm preparing a place for you. I want you to focus on me. I also want you to focus on a place, and that place is heaven. And then he gives them a promise. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. So you can't come with me now, disciples. But I've got a place that I'm preparing for you, and someday I'm going to come back and take you home to be with me. Me, where we will be forever. And so the the sixth truth that's new is um, when we're in Christ, we have a new future. Uh, Philippians 3, uh, the Apostle Paul writing to the Philippian believers, and he reminds them in Philippians 3.20 this truth, but our citizenship is in heaven And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. So he reminds us when we're in Christ, our citizenship is in heaven. When I was at college at Cedarville University, um, my last two years of school, I played played soccer. And uh, 
I uh, went to a private Christian school in, in Ohio. We didn't have enough money to have a football team, so we played soccer. And um, So my, my senior year at Cedarville University, I was on the Cedarville University soccer team. What was interesting about that is that out of the 11 uh, starters on that team, there are only two of us that were kind of born and raised in America. Uh, the other nine were um, were... MKs, missionary kids, and they grew up around the world where soccer's played uh, all the time and more frequently than here in America, and a lot of them were from Brazil. And so as I got to talk to, to these guys, they're like, yeah, um, found out they had dual citizenship. You know, they had American parents, but they were born in a, a foreign country. They were born in Brazil, and so like, yeah, I'm a citizen of America, but I also have a Brazilian citizenship. And I kind of thought, oh, that's kind of that's kind of neat to have this dual citizenship. What the Apostle Paul is telling us that when we are in Christ, we have a dual citizenship. He reminds us our citizenship is in heaven. Boy, do we need to be reminded of that. As we live in this world and we experience the, the heartache and the struggles and in this uh, COVID world and worldwide uh, pandemic in which we live in, the song reminds us that this world is not our home. We're just passing through. We're sojourners. We're strangers and pilgrims. And our focus needs to be what? On our new future our heavenly citizenship. I love the way the Apostle John describes our new future. When John describes what heaven is like in the book of Revelation, while he does give some descriptions of what heaven looks like, he also tells us and describes heaven by telling us what is not in heaven. And so when we get to the end of the book of Revelation, in Revelation 21 and 22, the Apostle John it talks about the, the new heaven and the new earth and the new Jerusalem that, that, that comes down from heaven and we dwell with God forever. And then verse 4 says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. No more crying in heaven. There will be no more death. No funerals to go to in heaven. There's no more mourning. There's no more crying no more pain. I'll, I'll, I'll go for that. Huh? No, no, no pain. No tears. No death. No more mourning or crying. There's no more curse. When we get to verses 22 and 23, there's no temple because God is there. There's no need of the sun or the moon because the glory of God illuminates heaven. Verse 27 tells us there's no sin in heaven. Chapter 22, verse 3, there's no more curse, there's no more night. We get to enjoy the beautiful, beautiful place called heaven that God prepares for us. And so what becomes new when we're in Christ? If you know Christ as your Savior this morning, there's at least six key truths and there's many more, but these six things are new in your life. You are forgiven. There's no sin that's beyond the grace of God. When we put our faith and trust in Him and ask Him for forgiveness, we've been forgiven. Our sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. 
We have God as a Father, 24-7 access to the very throne room of God. He invites us to come boldly. We have a new family, the family of God, that, uh, with a new responsibility to encourage one another and pray for one another and love one another. We have a new freedom. We have a new focus. It's God and His kingdom. And we have a new future. It's a place called heaven. So we're going to close this morning by listening to a song, an old song by a fellow by the name of Steve Green. He was a new artist when I was young. Steve Green's still around. And uh, I want you to just listen to this song. It's called Safely Home as we think about um, our new focus in our new future, a place called heaven.
Lord, we're so thankful uh, for what it means to be in Christ. And Lord, thank you for this reminder this morning of what's new. Lord, thank you that our sins are forgiven. Thank you that we have you as our Father and we have the, the, the family of God. Lord, thank you that we have a new freedom. Lord, thank you that we have a new focus. And Lord, most of all this morning, thank you that we have a new future. Lord, remind us that we're strangers and pilgrims, that we're simply passing through on our journey to our eternal destination, that we're citizens of heaven, and that someday we will be safely home. Lord, may that the truth uh, encourage our hearts today. And Lord, we pray that uh, you would uh, just use uh, your word today to strengthen us, to encourage us, to give us hope, to realize that our hope is not in this world, but our hope is out of this world. So we thank you. We'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.